When it comes down to it, Rugged for us is really about understanding the way a customer would want to use it or use a vehicle. This is a group of, you know, a very popular all-wheel drive brand. And everyone is like, what, a Honda did that? I mean, I'm not surprised, but everyone else was. When we brought the Passport, everybody was just shocked at what it could do. Absolutely dumbfounded. All of the instructors were just like, we can't believe what that car can do out here and how well it's performing and all the stuff you guys are doing with it. Like, that is absolutely amazing. Just shocked completely. <laughs> Welcome to Honda Stories. This is the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to hear about some of the most exciting things Honda's been a part of over the last 60 years. So join me, Bradley Hasemeyer, and let's hear about the stories behind the Honda badge. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. In today's episode, we are talking about rugged, as in gritty, in the dirt, all-terrain, built to rise to the challenge, Honda trucks and SUVs. Now, all right, look, I know that for some of you, when you think of the Honda brand, you probably think of the Civic, right? Or the Accord, which are both fantastic and iconic cars. Or you probably think of Honda, you think reliability, comfort, value, etc. But maybe not necessarily rugged. But today, I think you'll be surprised to hear about how incredibly capable their vehicles, like the Passport, the Pilot, and the Ridgeline, actually are when it comes to going off-road. And of course, that translates into you going off-road and taking your adventures to the next level, which is exactly what I did recently with the 2021 Ridgeline. Now, they've redesigned it, so the looks really match its capabilities. I love this new grille, and now there's a Honda Performance Development Package. It comes with special off-road wheels and tires, so the looks of this thing are really, really good. And Honda said, hey, Bradley, go. Push this thing hard and see what happens. So I said, okay. So I took it to the desert about two hours east of San Diego. I found huge dunes and, and rocky, dried up riverbeds and extremely bumpy washboards. And no matter what I threw at it, this thing just kept going. And those capabilities come from all their testing. So in this episode, we'll hear about what Honda does to actually test their off-roading reliability and durability how people are using the Passport to get to some of the most remote locations in the country. And lastly, we'll hear how actual Honda engineers take on the toughest terrain in the Rebel Rally Desert Endurance Race. But first, we're going to hear from a true Honda veteran. This is Art St. Cyr. He's been with Honda for 32 years, and he's got experience ranging from engineering to being early on in the development of the MDX, as well as the Honda Performance Development or HPD racing program. He's definitely the best place to start to learn about how these SUVs and light trucks go from idea to your driveway. My name is Art St. Cyr. I am currently the Vice President and Business Unit Head of Auto Operations at American Honda. My main function right now is really planning for future automobiles and trucks. So let's just get into how does Honda define rugged? Rugged is, is, a, is a very esoteric term. The way that, that we look at it, there's two types of ways to look at rugged. One is the actual performance of the vehicle, you know, what it can do, and also the way it looks. Does it look the way that it should to telegraph its capability? When it comes down to it, Rugged for us 
is really about understanding the way a customer would want to use it, giving the vehicle enough ground clearance, approach angles, capability to go over things, capability to effectively not get stuck. So tell me a little bit about how you guys test. I know there's a Honda Proving Ground that's got an assortment of different options from gravel road to off-road dirt, all these different ways to really test these vehicles. Tell me about that testing process. Well, you know, I, I got to go back a little bit to the, the start of, of when we started thinking about getting into this off-road reliability, durability, ruggedness kind of concept. So back when we first started the original MDX development, you know, most of our vehicles were on-road, passenger car type things. So we didn't really have a lot of credibility or experience in off-roading and ruggedness. So we took it upon ourselves and said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do this correctly. And we went all around the country to try to understand what does off-road capability mean? What does rugged mean? So we went all around the country. So we went to Glamis Dunes. We went to Ocotillo Wells. We went. We did the Mojave Trail. Woo. To Hollister Hills in California, Silver Lake in Michigan. We even went to uh, some of the uh, government proving grounds. And what we did is we took kind of the culmination of all of those courses that we went over, and we really broke it down into seven characteristics. What is off-roading, right? And it involved sand. It involved wheel articulation. It involved hill climbs. It involved gravel, different size stones you know, all of those types of things. And we recreated those scenarios in our test track in Ohio to make sure that, that all of our vehicles can handle all of these types of activities. And quite frankly, we take journalists, you know, and, and we've set up courses and, and stuff to demonstrate the capability that we have. And most people are absolutely blown away by what our vehicles can actually do. Yeah, I have been one of those journalists and I have been absolutely blown away before. You look at it and you think, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And boop, the vehicle does it for you practically. Yeah, well, the first time you go up like a, a 30% slope, right? You, you know, the, the very first time you do it, it feels like the vehicle is going to flip over backwards. Totally, totally. <laughs> and the vehicle just climbs right up. The, the first time you come up against like a, like a stair step thing, it's like, well, I, I'm stuck, right? The vehicle just climbs up it and, and has good traction and just, just works its way right up. So we always strive and our system and the way that we design our, our chassis and the way we design our differentials and the way we design our all-wheel drive system allows customers to do that so they can be confident in what they're doing. So when it comes to testing rugged, what's your Honda story? A couple stories come to mind when I think about it, but one in particular, we're at Hollister Hills. It's an off-road park in, in Central California. And much like ski resorts, they define their runs, you know, green and blue and black. And they say, oh yeah, well, black is only for, you know, for serious off-road vehicles, that type of stuff. But what they don't tell you is, is that these paths are really, really narrow. And so there's really no way to turn around in <laughs> some of these paths. So we're following the map and, and we're, we're cruising along and, and like these roads are getting more and more difficult. What are you guys driving? We were driving the MDX at the time, okay. prototype of the MDX. We were doing what we thought was a medium trail and it's getting pretty hard. There's big boulders and there's like a, a cliff down here and, and we're climbing up this thing. It's like, man, this is kind of frightening. <laughs> and we, we get to the top and there's two guys with these heavily modified Jeep Wranglers and they're kind of looking at us as we come up and, and they're, they're just amazed <laughs> that we got up there and said, how did you get up there in that vehicle? Right, right. 
We said, well, we didn't really think anything. Oh, we were just coming up this medium. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was not the medium trail. That was the Black Diamond Trail. <laughs> and we get to learn new terms like desert pinstriping, which is when you're going past but like yucca cactuses and those types of things that, that they put, you know, scratches in the side of your vehicle. I'm sure when you brought the vehicle back to the shop, you got a couple uh, side eyes from your uh, <laughs> your repair well, shop. Well, it, it's more like, like people shaking their heads going, really, this was work, huh? Yeah, I bet. What's to come for the rugged line of SUVs for Honda? One thing that we found during this pandemic is that we're finding that people are spending a lot more time driving to their vacations. A lot of people are going camping. A lot of people are going off-roading and those types of things. And, and we want to have products that not only are, are, are vehicles that, that people can use on every day, but also ones they can take on their camping trips and they can do their off-roading type activity as well. The Passport is a much more personal vehicle. It has a lot of the underpinnings of the Pilot, but it's a vehicle that has higher ground clearance, it has better tires, so, so it gives more capability. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch of the imagination to think that, that we'll have versions or accessories or those types of things that, that'll give customers the capability to do more than, than what they think they can actually do right now. I think the overall capability and, and what we're trying to telegraph is that the capability of our vehicles far exceeds what, what the customers think they can do and they can have confidence that pretty much whatever situation they get into, our vehicles will allow them to get out of it safely. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the Passport, but can you also talk about the Ridgeline and how important this vehicle is for Honda? Well, I think the Ridgeline is, is a really good showcase for what we're trying to do. We're actually offering some specialty packages with the Ridgeline. So we're offering an HPD package that add more capability to the vehicle. In this particular case, it's more of an appearance package, but it has different grills, different tires, different wheels. It has styling cues. As we evolve this type of activity, you might see more and more types of packages that, that happen in the future. I told you, right? It's impressive all the things that go into testing to make these things so capable. And there's someone out there who's really proving this capability over and over in his passport, and that is John DZ. He's an overlanding enthusiast. He has an awesome YouTube channel, and he shares all of his different adventures on there, also on his Instagram page. And you see all the crazy terrain and the adventures he gets into that take him to some of the most remote locations in the country. Hi, my name is John D, and I have a 2019 Honda Passport EXL all-wheel drive and I love to go overlanding. And from day one, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. I had a vision from owning a previous crossover that I modified for overlanding. I knew exactly what I wanted to do with the Honda Passport. All right, so John, before we get into all the modifications you've done, can you first just start at the top? Define what overlanding is. Overlanding is the activity of exploration. You're not there to conquer obstacles like you would in off-roading. You're overlanding to explore, and you're using your vehicle as an integral part of exploring. You could think of it as car-based backpacking. Using your vehicle to get away from civilization, to get far enough away that you are disconnected from the world. And some of these trails might be a simple dirt road. Some of the other trails might be going up 6,000 feet to a 10,000 foot elevation through a rock garden 
very rough terrain and many vehicles might not be able to get to. I would say that some of this terrain would be exclusive to body on frame trucks. So explain that a little bit and did that impact your decision on going with the passport, the idea of body on frame? I used to drive a truck. It was body on frame, had a rear differential locker, and quite honestly, I didn't know what all that stuff meant. I just drove it to the ski resort through the snow. But one thing I learned was I did not enjoy the on-road handling. Driving the 100 to 300 miles to the ski resort was a chore, and it cost me lots of fuel. And this is back when fuel was around $5 a gallon. Ooh. And that's why I decided to switch over to a crossover. So how was it that you decided on specifically the Passport? I saw videos on YouTube, and they were just doing so well off-road. There's a channel called TFL, the Fast Lane Car. Yep. And at the time, they had this obstacle called Goldmine Hill. Only a few vehicles made it up there. Most of them were trucks. The Honda Passport and the Honda Ridgeline were just able to tackle the obstacle so easily. Now, TFL didn't go into detail. They didn't talk about the twin clutch rear differential. I didn't learn about that until later. They did not talk about the crawl ratio right. in the Honda Pilot being 20 to 1, which is, at the time, was, was class leading and still is upper echelon of all-wheel drive vehicles. Now, John, I know you've done a lot of modifications to your passport. Can you walk us through some of those modifications to make it what it is today? So the first thing I did was I lifted it two inches. I installed a Traxta two-inch lift kit. I did modify my front and rear bumper. I trimmed off the corners. It's important to have front and rear corner overhang clearance. People call that approach and departure angle. And so the Passport stock comes with uh, 21 degrees of approach. And I believe now it's, mine is modified to 40 degrees of approach. And the departure angle is at around 27. And that is also modified to around 40. Very helpful on the trails. Yeah, I could imagine those things would be very helpful. How else have you modified your Passport? So one of the more important modifications are my tires. I'm running... 32.1 inch all-terrain tires. They're 10 inches wide. So the size for all you technical people would be 25570 R18. Another very important mod, I, I see the two most important mods would be tires and skid plates. You need underbody protection. So the front skid plate actually covers both transmission and the engine. Because the transmission is transversely mounted, this one skid plate is gonna cover your two most vital parts of your car. I've seen people bust their oil pans. There's a guy on, a really popular guy that busted his oil pan. So tougher tires and skid plates, the two most important things. This is a you know, pretty common knowledge in the overlanding community. John, you've obviously been on a lot of great adventures. What is your Honda story? There's obstacle out here in California. It's between LA and Las Vegas. There's a place called Calico, and this obstacle is called Kramer's Arch. It totally crosses up your axles, gets your uh, tires and wheels in, in a funky angle. And I had this hunch my passport might be able to do that obstacle. 
Okay, so I had some friends with other all-wheel drive vehicles that attempted. Four of them attempted before me, and they did not make it. <laughs> not even close. And so the thing is, too, I already knew about my crawl ratio. I already knew that my passport is geared between most all-wheel drive vehicles and a truck in four low. It's right in the middle. I crawl up to the soft school. I put it in sand mode. I press lightly on the throttle and I inch my way up. I slowly crawl up, no momentum, and the wheels are spinning slowly because in traction control is, is able to appropriate power. The twin clutch rear differential is doing its thing. Sand mode tries to mimic a locker. It's not, ah. but it's definitely between like a limited slip differential and a true locker. Okay. So it's like somewhere in the middle, yeah. and it was enough to get me through the soft school. Wow. So you get through, you pass these other vehicles, you get to the top, you turn around. What's everybody's reaction to that? First of all, this is a group of, you know, a very popular all-wheel drive brand. And everyone is like, what? A Honda did that? <laughs> and I mean, I'm not surprised because I've been watching these Hondas do this on TFL yes. for a few years now. And so I wasn't surprised, but everyone else was. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so now we've clearly established the Passport's performance off-road. What is it like to drive on-road? So one thing I've really enjoyed about the Honda Passport uh, being a unibody SUV is that it is so comfortable on-road. And the thing about overlanding here in the USA is you have to drive hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles, or even a couple thousand miles, to go on your adventure. And so driving on a highway, on a freeway, at high speeds, out there in Utah, you're, the speed limit's 80 miles an hour. And so having the unibody SUV with independent suspension like in the Honda Passport just makes it so comfortable. It's a big cabin. It's a good place to sit in for a long period of time. And also with the IVTM4 system, it's not only for off-road, it makes a killer on-road vehicle. You mentioned IVTM4, that's the Intelligent Traction Vehicle Management. That's really just another system that's baked into the car that helps you attack some of these trails. That's true, Bradley. It's one of the more capable all-wheel drive systems on the market right now. With the Honda IVTM4 system, not only is it torque vectoring, but it is power-based torque vectoring. Many other all-wheel drive systems will say they have torque vectoring, but it is brake-based. The way I see the Honda Passport, Pilot, and Ridgeline, because they're all on the same platform, is I see these vehicles as a missing link between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. Another way Honda tests their own durability is by competing in races like the Rebel Rally. Now this is an eight-day off-road women's only event where competitors drive through the desert with nothing but their vehicle and their partner. Now when it comes to navigation, they get a compass and a map, that's it. No computers, no phones, no civilization. And it's not just an endurance race. I mean, it's actually got a lot of technical elements and time stage challenges involved as well. After talking with Honda racers Tasha Krug and Liz Long, this race sounds really, really hard, but turns out they are really, really smart, so they killed it and were named Rebel Rally Rookies of the Year. 
Also turns out, not only did they have an awesome experience driving the Passport, but they also have a pretty funny moment during the race where they ended up nose down in the dunes like a giant lawn dart. Hi, I'm Tasha Krug. I work at Honda Research and Development in Ohio. I do systems and drivability engineering. I'm Liz Long. I have been with Honda for six years, and I am on the Rebel Rally team with Honda. And I went and participated in the rally in 2019 with Tasha Krug, my teammate. So we did both driving and navigating together. So tell me, what is Rebel Rally? Also, how do you win? So Rebel Rally is an eight-day off-road women's only navigation event where you leave your GPSs and phones behind for eight days and hit all of the three different checkpoints to try and get as many points as you can and not get lost along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And they vary from seeable checkpoints to checkpoints that have no marker. And you have to be within a certain distance of the checkpoints to score points for the rally. And so the whole time you're driving off-road, the terrain varies from trail driving to dirt roads to sand dunes, off-road driving areas. There's all kinds of different places you have to be. And so on the rally, you have to plan your route through both roads, trails, dirt roads, terrain that you don't know what's really there. You just hope that it's not too bad. (laughs) How you win is you try to get as many checkpoints as you can. They're green, blue, and black. Green are the easiest to see. They've got, uh, I think it's like a seven to eight foot flag marking the spot. And those are mandatory. The blue and black checkpoints are kind of optional, and you have to go within your certain order in order to make sure that you're going the right place. For blue and black checkpoints, blue, there's still a marker, but it's about a four-foot high post. And then black checkpoints don't have any markers. It's basically, you have to, you have to know you're there. <laughs> black checkpoints, you get more points, but all of the greens are mandatory. so. There's a certain number, there's 16 to 24 checkpoints per day. And basically, whoever gets closest to all of their checkpoints over the eight days wins. In addition to having to navigate to them, you have to also plan your time correctly because each of the checkpoints are numbered and you have to get them in order. You can't go back to checkpoints you missed or anything. And each checkpoint has a time window that you have to get to them by. So you have to get to them before they close, but you can't get to them too early or they won't be open for you to be able to get. There's a time restraint and everything. What? That sounds crazy. (laughs) This is the hardest non-race. Like it's a race, but it just sounds like it's so much more complex. It's not really a race. It's a rally. So a race, you think you have to drive super fast and go as hard as possible and get all the places where this is a rally where you have to like, there are spots where you have to keep a certain speed range. Like they will, you can't go above a certain speed. You can't go over a certain speed limit because they're tracking you. And if you do, you'll get a penalty. So it's all about being very precise and it's all about getting to places on time. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of planning. <laughs> no kidding. So it's way more than just driving through the desert. Oh my gosh. It's got to get so tense. Yeah, there was one day we were doing the enduro and I was navigating and Tasha was driving and (laughs) I told us to take a wrong turn and we were going down the wrong road and we were just like, 
this doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right. And we got back to the course and we're like, I don't know how far off we are. Like we're off by uh... minutes at this point. Like there's no way we could catch up. And then Tasha is like, I think we should just go for it. I think we should just try, like we've got to try. And so I was like, okay, like I will look at the directions and I'll try and keep up with what we're doing, but you just gotta go. I was having to like reset the time in my brain. And so Tasha's just doing math like crazy fast. Uh, like it's a fast. She's, she's an engineer. This is <laughs> yeah. her language. Like I think she said that was the fastest she's ever done yeah. math before. <laughs> and we caught up within two checkpoints, I think. Does anyone ever get all the points? Because this seems really complicated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are many teams that get all the points. And Liz and I actually, for a couple of them, I'm pretty sure we got within one point. So what is it that makes you guys want to do this? I mean, it's eight days in the desert. You have no communication. (laughs) You clearly just talked about the frustrations that happen within the cabin, outside the cabin. What is it that brings you there to do it? Basically, unplugging for eight days is fantastic. You don't have to worry about work calls. You don't have to worry about what's happening in the real world. You're there to participate. And it's such a close-knit event, even though you're all competing for the same goal. Everyone's there to support each other. So you guys are in a passport. Tell me a little bit about how the passport fits into this. I mean, could you have picked other vehicles? Why that? And then talk a little bit about what you guys learn from here and how you take that back to Honda. This is essentially a test bed for them in the real world. So we chose a passport mainly because it had basically just been released in 2018. So following up with basically new products and trying to feed back into development groups at R&D back in Ohio, basically anything from how the all-wheel drive system handled different terrains and environments to just overall comfort. When you come to the desert and you bring a Honda, are people kind of giving you a double take? Like, uh, you should have probably picked something a little bit more rugged? Or is everyone kind of in the loop that these vehicles can actually do this? When we brought the Passport, everybody was just like shocked at what it could do. Absolutely dumbfounded. Like all of the instructors were just like, we can't believe what that car can do out here and how well it's performing and all the stuff you guys are doing with it, like that is absolutely amazing. Just like shocked. What surprised you guys most about that vehicle while you were out there? For me, the way that it feels driving in the dunes, it was just, it's kind of like a full extension of the driver and just, you could feel the dunes, you could feel the car and knew like, I don't know, it's hard to express, but it was just like that car to driver connection in the dunes was just fantastic. I couldn't get over how amazing it felt. All right, Tasha and Liz, what is your Honda story? I love adventuring and the Rebel Rally was something that when I first heard of it, I was like, I have to do this. I just hope I don't drive in circles for eight days straight. Like I have no (laughs) idea how this is going to go. I'm going to try my best and I'm going to hope it's good enough because I don't know what to do. And I remember there was one day we came back And we looked at our score and we had gotten, I think almost all of the black checkpoints we had got, which are the ones without any markers, we had gotten some points on at least, if not all of the points on them. We did really well in the Enduro that day and we scored, I think the highest in the crossover class that day. 
And everybody, when we went to our table with the ladies that we normally sit with, they were like, guys, we are rooting for you guys to get rookies of the year. And you guys like are set to get like a really good score this year. Like you guys are killing it. (laughs) And at the end of the rally, when Tasha and I finished and we found out we were rookies of the year and we had gotten third place in the crossover class, that was like one of the most exciting, exhilarating and amazing things. Like we were just on cloud nine. Liz had a very positive outlook on the whole entire rebel, which I 1000% agree with, where the whole experience itself, both for the vehicle prep and the actual event itself, and then all of the things that we learned along the way that we can feed into our own personal and professional development. But there was a moment along the way where I had an oopsie moment. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what lawn darting is, Oh, yeah. So there was a moment during the Glamis, one of the days in the Glamis sand dunes. The first day we were looking for one of the checkpoints in kind of the lower part of the dunes where there's a bunch of brush. But we found the checkpoint and we were going to the next checkpoint. And I was driving and Liz was navigating for the day take into account that the sun plays tricks on you and shadows are sometimes larger than they seem to be. But I thought that there was an probably like an 18 inch drop. Oh no. And really it was probably three and a half or four feet. Oh. And I became a very, very high Honda believer in the all-wheel drive system that day. Basically, I put the nose of the car into the sand and Liz and I dug out the front end all while... So during Rebel, there are media cars and there just so happened to be one while we were driving next to them. And then I lawn darted and all of a sudden there were media people surrounding us and Liz and I were trying to coordinate what we thought for like best action forward and like what our options were. We got asked by uh, one of the rebel crew if we needed help getting out and Liz and I thanked them but we said no and we wanted to stick with our initial plan so we started digging and then uh, I think Liz realized that the back wheels were still on the ground so We dug out what sand we could just to try and give the front a little bit more space. But then I got back behind the wheel and we ended up being able to just back out of it. So that was probably one of the most heart-wrenching moments for my (laughs) driving abilities that I've had to go through. But it was all in all like a great experience because we got to actually put our failure mode analysis into play where we recognize what the problem was, we figure out what we want to do, we move forward with that action, and we kind of don't look back from it. Well, there you go. From Honda's simply backing out of a situation that would have stranded other racers to exciting overlanding adventures to even shocking fellow off-roaders after summiting a black diamond trail, these have been some pretty amazing Honda stories truly testifying to Honda's ruggedness. And who knows, maybe now you'll see your pilot or passport or the new 2022 Ridgeline a little bit differently. 
Hey, thanks so much for going behind the badge with us today. Like always, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. We've got a lot more coming your way, so make sure you subscribe. And if you have your own Honda story we need to know about, tag us on social using hashtag Honda Stories and you could be on the show. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Have a great week and see you on the trails. We'll be right back.